of Yahweh. Your grace for this day, thank you. Mm. A day that you have made and brought forward, Father, but there is a heaviness here because of the service today for a departed loved one, Father God, but the great thing is, what a day of rejoicing when we get to be home and see one another and those that have departed here, this plane of existence. And thank you, Father, for your tender mercies and guiding and taking care of Cheryl and taking care of her father and and taking care of him. What a what a great strong man with your strength and your purpose in his heart. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to share time with him. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father God, that I would be able to be a good conduit and deliver that to those who would hear and have an ear for your words, Father God. Draw the heart of those to call you Father, Jesus Lord. Draw their heart, help them in their decision. And God, that you pour out your grace and your, your reins onto the seeds, Father God, so that they would sprout up and, and draw their hearts. Abba Yahweh Amma, Yeshua Amma, so um, yeah, today is a today is a, is an earthly funeral service. Got to go say goodbye to a very kind, compassionate, gracious man. I was always always drawn to his heart. He was uh, his heart was was good as a good heart. His compassion and his strength was always good. And seemed like he always wanted to see the better in people. So, I have some interesting reading that I had this morning to share with. Um, several things that I want to touch on that we that we must believe, and that. Every once in a while, we have things that will come up in our walk that are going to seem to be impenetrable. We can't avoid, we can't get around, we can't get over. But here's the thing that you have to remember is that white noise interference, and I keep repeating that, and I will repeat it, and it will get rather redundant for some, and some just throw up their hands, whatever. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that I deliver the truth and I deliver the honest word from God that goes, and he allows me to share these things with you because he knows that there's a purpose. The white noise interference that Satan floods our minds with, and think about it. If you've done something at work that might be a little questionable, I've done it. Then you start fretting about it. What's the point in that? But it continues to fester in your mind and continues and continues. Might go days, might go weeks, might even go months 
and nothing is said, nothing is, nothing is, and it was something that was very innocent, very harmless, and it was not intentional, but something took place at work, and it disturbed you because you're used to things like that not happening and taking care of business, but it happened, and it happened during your shift. Then you start fretting, you start worrying about it, and you're afraid that your boss or your supervisor is going to say, well, you know, we can't, we can't this, is, this is too risky. And so we're just going to have to let you go. And see, that's what goes on and on and on and on in your mind and keep replaying, 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 replaying. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't take place. It doesn't even occur. So many times we get stuck in this, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, even if. So what? Put your faith in God and don't listen to all that white noise that keeps penetrating your brain and your thought patterns and keeps coming in and agitating you. It happens to me, and it's hard to resist it, but it happens when you have something take place and then as harmless as it was, wasn't even, wasn't anything at all. Just the most minor, minuscule thing. And then you fester and your your mind just gets this boiling going on. And see, Satan loves to draw us into things like that. And here's the other thing too. When he does it, he does it in such a subtle way that it you don't even realize. And yet it keeps bothering, 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 and keeps coming, 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 coming. And there's no reason for it. So remember <clears throat> That he's a liar, number one. He is a liar. False evidence appearing real. And he presents this case. And this case seems like it's all just your world's going to come crumbling down around you. He wants you to listen to that interference that he keeps putting in there. Remember this, that a failure or failing in one little area or small thing and you fell and you get up and you get it. It does not make your life a failure. It does not make you a failure. You failed at that one, one instance. And it is just an instance of all the instances from now, from now, I'm 65 years old. If I look back in my life and go and add all the instances that are in my life, I couldn't even calculate them. And I'm only 65 and there's men and women that are much older than I am and still kicking around great. And they tried to multiply and add all their instances of their life together. It couldn't be done. It would take entirely too long to get it calculated. But you have to remember that in that one instance that something took place that you might have fell down on does not make your life a failure. Satan loves to convince us that we are a failure. God won't listen to us anymore. Why are you infant in the word of God? You shouldn't be in the word of God. God's not going to honor that. Not God's not. Excuse me. You went to your heavenly father and said, Father, I erred. Forgive me. I, I don't. I misstepped. Well, of course I will. Come here. Grabs you, pulls you in, gives you a great big old godly hug that you think is going to crush your bones to powder. And then he kisses you on your brow and he says, of course I forgive you. See, Satan, on the other hand, 
<clears throat> is a condemner, an accuser, and uh, a blamer, and puts his finger, points his finger at everything and everyone for what they failed to do. And he works hard at getting us to believe that God is that way. God is not that way. When God forgives you and he throws your repentance along with whatever you repented of in a case out in the sea of forgetfulness, he does not go and dig it up, pull it up, drag it up and put it back in your attic. You do that. You swim out to where the bubbles are. You dive down and you pick up your satchel and you pull it back up on shore and then you drag on and hobble it back to the house and you put it up in the attic. And then you think about it more and more and more. And Satan has now just taken <clears throat> a first step of interference and then you get it up in the attic and then what do you do? Ah, the serpents and scorpions are constantly up and down the stairs to the attic kicking over the boxes, tipping over the boxes, stirring up the dust that's up there so that you become blinded because the dust pervades the other rooms of your house. You get blinded by the dust. You get confused by the white noise that is now filling your attic. That's your brain housing group in case you haven't figured that metaphor out. And now you're constantly thinking about what you just drug back and put up there, which you had no business doing because God doesn't do that. But see, Satan does that. And he wants us to believe that God does the same thing. And you even have those who are pastors or preachers that, and I've shared this with you before, such as that one perverted individual that twisted the word and says that, oh, God condemns, God condemns. Look, God's telling you you're going to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. No, God doesn't condemn. You've condemned yourself. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and God is sovereign over all things and have faith in God and that the Holy Spirit will guide your steps, if you don't believe that, then you have condemned yourself. God's not going to condemn you for your lack of belief. He wants you to believe. He wants you to have faith. He wants you to, to come to know him. And he desires a personal relationship with us. God does desire things from us. And that desire is that we are his children. We have faith and that we want to be in a personal relationship with him. But here's the thing too. Um, <laughs> This, kind of, this ties in is that there are a lot of people that make a showboat of things. They practice that Phariseeism. I've shared that with you before. They like to get out there in public and see everything. Um, I actually ran into some of this stuff when I was younger in the Marine Corps. Some of the officers were absolutely despicable, disgusting, and shameful. They had no leadership qualities whatsoever. However, because of their ranking, they made it a point. They were like the, um, if you remember, I shared this with you, there's, there's no point really in a lion going around and hollering all the time. Hey, I'm a lion. Hey, I'm a lion. Hey, look at me. I'm a lion. I'm a lion. I'm a lion. You'll hear them roar on occasion when they get hungry or when they're exerting their 
dominance over the other members of the pride, but they don't walk around constantly just making noise, drawing attention to themselves, saying, I'm a lion. There's no purpose to that. Not really. It's, uh, but then when you have those that practice Phariseeism, they go out there and they make a huge production about, look at me, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing, look at all my works, look what I'm doing. You have to understand and realize that we are saved by grace and the mercy that we have to enjoy that grace that God has instilled on us that his only begotten son came for me. Remember, share this. Think about it. Think on it this way. What was God and Jesus thinking about when Jesus came and was crucified? Make it personal. He was thinking about me. Each and every one of you out there, think on this. For me, it makes it much more profound, and I can't help that when I see and read about certain things, I start falling apart. I do. When I think about what Jesus went through for my sake, not just the world, but what was he thinking about when he came to do this? He was thinking about me. And then, of course, there's going to be some that don't get the analogy to that, and they can't figure it out because their mind is being limited by what they're hearing from the, through the white noise. Sure, it happened a couple thousand years ago. So what? He still came for me. He came for everyone that followed after his resurrection. He came for the purpose of saving the world. We have a purpose to share the word of the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God the Father, the good news of God the Father. The Holy Spirit is our guide and our teacher. We have that responsibility to share that in order that none would perish, but there will be some who will refuse to turn and they will indeed perish. But my purpose is to be about my Father's business to do it the best I can. And yes, I will fail sometimes. I will fall sometimes, but immediately give up. The thing that determines the character is not the number of times that you fall. It's the number of times that you get up and come back and keep going. David fell a bunch. Read the book of Psalms. David had a lot of things going on. There were a lot of issues. He was a king of a mighty country. A mighty country. And there were many that were wanting to take him off that throne. Much of what David went through, a lot of times, was in his own head. In his thought process, in his mind, constantly battering. Satan wanted that. That's what Satan does. Satan drives that in our minds. He gets us to believe things that are non-existent. False evidence appearing real. And that's truth. Fear. What are you afraid of? You go out in the dark. When I, when I went to this mountain retreat, I, I've shared this with you before, I believe. But I was the, um, I was the range foreman up there. I was a city kid. 
yeah, I'm a Native American, all that stuff. That doesn't mean that I went out in the mountains and did this uh, lone walking all the time. But up there, I learned how to do it. And I loved it. So what was I afraid of? I'll share that a little bit. I went out at night, had my flashlight, and what if, what if, what if, what if? That's constantly what was in my head. Well, what if I run into a bear? What if I see a mountain lion? What if I this? What if I that? But here's the thing. I was in charge. <laughs> they weren't in charge. And here's the other thing. The bears and mountain lions and the bobcats and all those other critters and the rattlesnakes don't hide up behind a tree and say, okay, here he comes. It's dark. We're going to pounce on him as soon as he gets up here. And then you get to that point and then they jump out. It doesn't happen that way. They go about there. They're, they're, they have no concern about me. They had no concern about me whatsoever. And then I started leaving the light behind. I'd go out and I've had the moonlight or what ambient light there was. And I could see just fine. And then when I couldn't see, it didn't matter. I only needed to see what was right there at my steps, at my footfall. God provides that light. He provides that lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And he did that there. Thank you, Father, for that, by the way, because I'll share this with you right now. That analogy was just now handed to me to put in your thoughts and think about it. When I was up there, I wasn't necessarily thinking that God was the lamp under my feet and the light into my path. I wasn't thinking. He just shared that with me right this moment. And that's a beautiful analogy because that's all I needed to see was my footfalls. I could hear everything else. And I, what I did learn up there... Those animals have as little care about me as if they were just walking through the brush. It didn't matter to them. And I learned that bears and the other creatures are actually very polite. <laughs> they are actually quite polite. They don't just wait, and if you get too close, then they jump on you and, and, and kill you or try to eat. It doesn't work that way. All these things that you hear on these false reports and the news, and all, it doesn't work that way. God didn't make them that way. God actually made them very polite, <clears throat> but they've also learned that through time that homo sapiens are not really great people. Homo sapiens are not really great to be around because they want to destroy, they want to maim, they want to, uh, they want skins and so forth. Yeah. So the onus is actually on us. But anyway, I'd walk out there and the bears, they would kind of, um, you know, kind of like that, um, Cough, <clears throat> give you one of those things if you're in, in some place and you're disturbing, then you have this very kind of a not a uh, an audible, hey, you keep it down, nothing like that. It was just like a <clears throat> you know, to draw your attention that maybe you were doing something. And they used to do that if I would veer and I would get too close to them because they used to walk with me, actually. They were as curious about me as I was about what was out there in the night. They would walk with me. And sometimes I, I'm quite literally the distance away from across a room. I'm looking back behind my shoulder right now, and it's about 10 feet to that back wall. And that's as close as I would get to them. And we'd walk at night. If I got veered a little closer than that, then they would give me that little, hey, 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 <clears throat> getting a little closer, pal. And then I'd have to veer back out. 
so many things that we have that we are fearful of or Satan drives us to be fearful of don't even exist. They're not there. They are non-existent, but he gets us to be convinced that they are there. And then we start to, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Even if, even if God is walking with me, the Lord is with me, the Holy Spirit is guiding my steps, even if it happens, and I open the umbrella and I keep walking, hello. Or I don't even need that because God puts his hand over me to shelter me. So you keep on walking. He is my shelter in the time of storm. When things get rough and things get confusing, pray for guidance and keep on walking. Don't stop and hunker down. That's when things get to be a mess. And don't go around all this stuff that I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Look what I did, look what I did, look what I did. Okay, so when I share testimony of things, I want to make sure that you understand that it's not me, not my, not in me, not my, the Lord leads me through these things. And he taught me up there that everything up there he made, he created. I'd have to go down and handle the snakes and stuff because people wanted to kill them all the time. They wanted me to come and kill them all the time. Everything. Skunks, rattlesnakes, bears, mountain lions, bobcats. I had to go chase them away. But all I had to do is most of the time just snap my fingers. Well, with the skunks and things, I had to be a little more cautious. And, of course, the rattlesnakes, cautious and a little bit more. They didn't respond to the snapping of the finger as well. Sometimes the skunks would, and they'd skitter off, just prevented, <laughs> keep me from getting sprayed. But the animals, they knew. They knew what the deal was. And I wasn't there to harm them. What was so beautiful is just they knew I wasn't going to hurt them. They realized that. And that whole area that we had was a preserve, a sanctuary for them. People were not allowed to hunt there. They were not allowed. And I used to have to go out and walk the trails to make sure that there weren't poachers coming in. They would come in. Sad, it used to break my heart all the time to come out and find the carcass of a bear out there because they were getting paid literally thousands of dollars for the bladder of a bear, simply the bladder. Where did that come from? Well, it came from certain other cultures that made that a big deal, and they would make uh, potions and things out of it. But $10,000 for a good-sized bladder that they could get from a bear, and that's all they took. They didn't take the meat. Bear meat is actually very delicious. They wouldn't take the meat. They wouldn't take the skin, just the bladder. And I can't fault the people because... Times were pretty hard, even more so, well, not more so, but they were difficult. There were individuals that were not taking care of them as government officials they promised to do. They failed. So these people had no recourse, but they had to figure out what could be done, and the offer was made. So we have to be careful. See, Satan Satan will do the same thing. He's going to offer us the easy path. But here's what we have to remember is that Jesus promises to be with us always. God promised to be with us always. And it doesn't matter how difficult the path is. And the word is given that the the path is not going to be in just a, a cakewalk. It's not going to be that way. 
It's going to be difficult because the enemy's going to come at us. You're going to have friends that decide that they don't want to be your friends anymore because now you're, oh, you're one of them, huh? You're one of those crazy people. Well, no, I'm not a crazy person. I'm a peculiar person. Well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that peculiar in the old language and the old translation. And the old definition is that I am unique. I stand out. I'm not following the mold that everybody else is in. And as a chosen son of God, and as a peculiar son of God, that I choose to follow his steps, which Kate takes me outside of the footfalls of everyone else. I don't do what they do. I don't act like they do. I don't do just, I have my path. I love this. I love this and God does this for me in my life. They say to me, and I've had many dudes, why are you so different? Why aren't you like everyone else? Why aren't you like the others? Why? Because they don't have God. And I, and I respond, I said, because the word of God tells me that I must treat you this way. I can't treat you badly or treat you differently. I can't. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to help you. I'm supposed to show you kindness and compassion. That's what I do because that's what God tells me he wants me to do. These others, all they're concerned about is self. There's a story I'm going to relate here to you. And, and um, I'm going to go over to the scripture here. And uh, Oh. Hold on here a second. This actually goes, well, the Holy Spirit just threw this to me. I had, I don't know why I had it open here. I don't even remember doing this, honestly. Wow. The Lord just brought me to Isaiah 2. And I was going to read down to the bottom, but I'm going to actually start in verse 8. Wow. And my footnote that I put on the sidebar, believe only in the blessing of God, not self. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands and that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man mouth down and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide there in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, and upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. And upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan. Those are mentioned because those trees were the best that they that the craftsmen would market for. Those are the best. The, the cedars of Lebanon were the tallest, the mightiest, the straightest, and they use them in the timbers. They, they used those and sought those for timbers to build palaces, to, be, uh, to build temples, and the fragrance of the wood, and the longest lasting, because a lot of people don't know this, but they are very pest resistant. I mean, all sorts of things. And that the oaks, the mightiest of the oaks, and they would, they would provide the most timber. Wow. 
that deals directly with what I was sharing. The Phariseeism, how they point to themselves and they're out there. Really, when you see those individuals out there jumping around the street, there's some that are out there and they're doing the right thing. It's not real loud, but they have a little crowd that comes by them and they're sharing with them more intimately than they are. But then you have those that are out there jumping around and screaming as this one individual. And I pray over this guy all the time. He's going to get hurt one of these days because he's very confrontational. But he claims to be a pastor and he likes to throw his certificate around in people's faces. Somebody's going to knock it right out of his hand one day because he's very annoying about it. He's not at all doing as the Lord would have him to do. He's doing contrary to that and saying, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. And he's jumping around out on the corner. He's very loud and he waves the Bible around and he screams all the time. But what saddens me is that he doesn't quote any scriptures. He doesn't know the scriptures and just like the Sanhedrin and when Jesus testified before them when they tried to get him in there, he said, you claim to be experts of this word, the Torah, the scriptures, and the, but you don't know it. You don't know it. You read about the prophets and they prophesied and you don't know them. You don't know the truth. Why? Because you don't speak the truth and because you speak the native language of your father, which is deceit, lies, and untruth. But there are many that are out there like that, brothers and sisters, and I, I share with you often and kind of as often as I can, and I will share it yet again. Try my spirit. Try my spirit through the Holy Spirit and see if he doesn't tell you that what I speak is truth. That's all I'm going to do is speak the truth. I am about my father's business. This is not about me. Which is hence why I changed the name of this thing because that seemed like it was giving too much to me. It's not about me. This is... This platform that I utilized was given and shared with me of God. I shared with you how that happened. Is that uh, God presented this to me and it's free. <laughs> I was worried and trying to figure out how to do it because I was saying I needed to have a publisher and an editor and this equipment, that equipment, and all these things that were going to be specialized as if it was going to be in a studio. And God presented this to me and said, this is how you do it free. And I asked him, I said, Father, if this would be good for me to get the word out there to more people and, and to share your word, your truth, then you'll make it happen. Boom, it happened. I've got it going and it has been going for a little over a year. And I have had return messages. I've had some that I get these numbers that come back. But I have had direct response in my library, which I have the capability to do. But I, I try to stay away from that. Because I don't want it to become about those numbers. I want it to be about the truth, his truth, and then it goes out. But I had a direct response from a person in a place in the Middle East. And I've shared with you already that I don't want to say directly because there are places there where they will kill a person for being a Christian or exhibiting faith in God. They are put to death, quite literally. And when... There were areas that we were involved in as a military and government and not realizing, but they were hunting, hunting Christians and anyone that was seen on the street carrying a Bible, they were shot. They weren't questioned, they were shot, put to death, period. You don't hear about that in the news, but it's reality. And that's unfortunate that it comes to that, but that's where... Satan is pushing this stuff really hard. 
but there's his um, there's his story that was related in in my readings. There's a there is an individual historically, and if you have anybody out there that is into history and civil war and things like that, they know that uh, General McClellan, McClellan he was pretty dashing and. As far as things go, he was also a handsome man. And he would puff himself up and dash around on on the, on the his stallion and, and uh, be in all places in the battlefield. But here's the thing. Strategically, he was a fop. He was an absolute failure. He couldn't do anything correctly. He couldn't... He was weak-minded when it came to real strategy and trying to move forward and do anything. And uh, sadly for him, there was a time Abraham Lincoln realized that this guy was that way. And uh, he had made him the, the commander in chief of the entire army and uh, put him out there. And the guy failed, failed to bring anything to fruition, the plans that were given and directed to him. And then he found an excuse as to why he couldn't complete them. Every turn, every, wherever he went, found an excuse and failed miserably. So I bring that to point because there are a lot of Christians that are like that, sadly. We are well-equipped, and I am reminding myself to this as well. We are well-equipped. I am well-equipped. And if you stay in the word, you follow the word, and you let the Holy Spirit guide your steps, trained, trained up in the way that we should go. We are. And as we proceed through this time, you have to take into account too that in this generation that we're in, as opposed to past generations, which were not all that different except that Tools and finance and things like that have all changed as we march through time. But if you look back, everything that we have here, provided by God, graced by God. I look now, I shared this with you before, I look around and I have the things that I need to have. I don't have to go and chase and pursue things. God provides. And all we have to do are we attacking the enemy at every turn that we have? Or are we buying into his white noise, that white noise interference that he puts out there? Are we buying his interference or are we buying the truth and the word of God? Which direction are you going? Are you watching that little guy on the corner who's jumping up and down and waving his arms and screaming and hollering and saying, hey, 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 this way, this way, this way, this way, which is actually the way that Satan wants you to go? Or are you hearing the still small voice that says you need to turn this way, stay out of harm's way, and go that way? Which way are you going? Loud and raucous or the still small voice? I find it very obnoxious that people, when they get to talking, they start getting... And sometimes they're not even arguing, but they're just really loud. And the conversation gets that way back and forth and back and forth. 
And to me, it's like as if they have this big neon sign above their heads with the arrow pointing down to both the, the parties or the group and saying, look at us, look at us, look at us, listen to us. I know we, you can hear us because we're over the entire party, the entire room. We are louder than anyone here. We know you can hear us. Look over here and see what's going on. Look back on Jesus' walk. Did Jesus ever do that? One time, one time that he got loud. It wasn't even really loud. He walked into the temple and he saw that the thieves were using that as a house of money changing and that they were stealing from the people. They were stealing from God. And he turned over their tables. He chased them out and he found a scourge. And then he beat their butts and he sent them out the temple gates. Well, the Pharisees didn't like that. And those who were in charge, they didn't like it because now they were losing their cut of money. They were getting a cut. They were charging a surcharge for changing the sacrificial animals and changing the temple money. They were keeping a percentage from the people. So that percentage was what was supposed to go into the coffers in the church, but they were taking it for themselves and stealing it from God. You don't do things like that. Jesus saw that taking place and he chased them out. He said, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And he chased them out. That's one time that I believe that Jesus was not his typical self. He didn't have to. Here's the thing. This comes back to that lying thing. Sorry about that interruption. I thought I'd turn that silly thing off. But that comes back to the lying, the, the lion again. Jesus Christ was a lion of the tribe of Judah. He didn't have to go around roaring at everyone and everything about him being the lion. You know who he is. And all that noise and everything that was on the side of the mountain, God didn't have to try to do that and, and, and raise his voice over all that was going on. Elijah heard him best when he went back into the cave and he could hear this still small voice. And one thing that my, my earthly father used to share with me, and I, I forget sometimes, but I apply that 99.9% .9 of the time, so that little one-tenth of a time that I forget, I remind myself quite readily, God reminds me, is that you diminish your voice. What does that mean? When they're yelling and they want to argue with you and you get all loud and everything at them, you're getting loud back. It just creates a cacophony and then you can't understand what each other is saying because you're so cotton-picking loud about it. So what you do is you drop your tonation, you drop your voice and nearly a whisper. And then you start talking. And then they're like, What? What'd you just say? And then they diminish their loudness and their voice so they can hear what you're saying. It becomes much clearer and much easier to understand when you lower your voice. But as I was sharing here, as the example was shared with me about General McClellan, is that many were so well-equipped, we're well-trained, and we're taken care of and financed by God. If we pay attention, we have faith in God, and we pay attention to what we're doing. You don't have to be all... He takes care of us. He guides our steps. He leads the way. And he is our banner in front. You don't have to have every... But there are those Christians who will go back in their little hovel, and, and they put themselves in their tomb. And now remember, hear what I'm saying. 
put themselves there. Nobody has directed them or pushed them in there. They go themselves, they get in the easy chair, and they pull the lever and they kick back. Admittedly, I tend to be somewhat of a lazy person. On my days off, I, I do some long hours. I work late hours. And when I come home on my time off, my days off, it's a downtime. I pull the lever back and I sit back and sometimes I just sit back there and I nap with my dogs. They kind of like that. They like just being together. They like to go out and walk. And I like to take them for the walks and be out with them and move around. But I also like my downtime. I put in some long hours. My hours are not the typical work hours. And despite what many would think that being an operator that way, as I am, it's not the easiest thing. You don't just, oh, just go here and there and drive around. That's not what it's about. There are many aspects of things that you have to be aware of. But anyway, enough about that. We remember that God leads us righteously. He has us well. I, if we follow this map, we follow these directions, we're good. We are well-trained and well-equipped. Study to show ourselves approved of that. We have everything that we need that is included. But are we doing that attacking the enemy on all fronts? Because he comes at us at all fronts. And when we think that he's not over here, he moves over to this side and he tries again to keep pouring in that white noise interference. Are we sharing the gospel and doing our witnessing for him? God has us where we are for a reason. There is a reason and a season for all things. Just like today, I have to go to that service for a man who, a good man, and a forgiving man. And here's the thing too, and why I'm, I'm sharing that, sharing this is because his heart was full of compassion and kindness. And I had an opportunity to share that with him here before his passing. So brothers and sisters, there's a season for everything, a place for everything, and God has us in our place for his purpose. We need to trust his, his guidance, his word, and have faith. You're in my prayers, I'm going out and my coming in. Have a good day.